Hello, my love, and welcome to another episode of the Faith-Based Storyteller Show, where we sharpen and encourage one another in Christ by sharing the testimony that God has placed on our lives. I'm your host, Michaela Robertson, and thank you for joining me for another day, another week, and another Faithful Friday, where today we're going to dive into the Word of God. Now, I'm really excited about today's episode. I think I say that every week that I'm excited about today's episode because I'm genuinely excited, you guys, about that day's episode. But I am really excited about today's episode because the uh, word that we're going to focus on today is Psalms 23. And a little backstory, during our Faith Audio Network call this week, earlier this week, we actually dove into Psalms 23. And if you're a part of the Faith Audio Network, then you know that we have Kylie who guides us through prophetic prayer calls. And in this call specifically, she had us dive into to Psalms 23. Um, and it's so funny because she challenged each and every person on the call to pick one verse from Psalms 23 and reflect on it and see what God wanted us to see regarding our lives. Now, initially, one of my one of my thoughts uh, in approaching this challenge was, of course, to pick Psalms 23, 1. But the more that I read, the more that I dove into each and every verse, I found myself always going back to Psalms 23, verse 4. And so today, specifically, I'm going to actually go through all of Psalms 23 because after that call, it made me double back and read the entire chapter and see how the entire chapter applied to my life. But there's something very special about verse four um, in the revelation that the Lord gave me about verse four that we'll dive into later into this episode. But I just want you to make sure that you know what you're getting into today. We're diving into Psalms 23. So as I always mention, grab your Bibles because we're going to be doing some studying today. Um, I am reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. However, when I get to verse 4, I'm switching over to the New King James Version for verse 4 specifically, because I found that that translation resonated more with me. But then for the rest of the verses, we'll go back to the Christian Standard Bible translation. Okay, so you guys ready? Let's go ahead and dive into Psalms 23. Now, one thing that I told you guys that I love to do is look up these words. This is how we're going to learn how to apply it to our lives. At least this is how I learn how to apply it to my life. It's one thing to sit and study the Bible. It's one thing to read it over and over again. But if we don't actually know what we're reading, if we don't know what any of these words mean, what is the point? We're just reading a good book. And I'm not going to say that this, this ain't a good book. The good news is a good book. <laughs> Um, but I'm saying if we want to gain a deeper understanding, we have to be willing to study and go deeper. And so today we're going deeper and we're going to start at Psalm 23, verse 1, which reads, The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing that I lack. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing that I lack. Verse 2, he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Verse three, he renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Verse four, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And verse six, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
So let's go ahead and unpack these verses, starting with verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. And in the Christian Standard Bible, the Lord is my shepherd. I have, all, I have what I need. So when I actually looked up the word shepherd, right, a shepherd is someone who tends to a flock of sheep. It also says that he feeds, governs, protects, and watches over his flock. Another definition of a shepherd means to guide or direct in a particular direction. And then another definition of a shepherd means to give guidance to someone, especially within spiritual matters, or to carefully manage resources or an organization. So when we say the Lord is my shepherd, we are saying that Jesus feeds me, guards me, protects me, watches over me, guides me, directs me in particular directions, gives me guidance, especially in spiritual matters, and helps me to carefully manage my resources or even my organization or what he has given me. But then it says, there is nothing I lack, or in the Christian Standard Bible, I have what I need. And the definition of lack means the state of being without or not having enough of something to be without or to be deficient in. And so when we have enough, we have as much or as many is required. So knowing that the Lord is the one who guards us and protects us and guides us and watches over us and tends to us and manages us, we have everything that we need. We have as much or as many is required in this life. We do not need anything extra. We do not need to add anything to it. So this is a, it opens up as a word of provision. Psalms 23 opens up as a word of provision. It is telling us that it doesn't matter what we think we need. The Lord is our shepherd, so we have what we need. And when we think about a shepherd, we have to be his sheep. And there is another verse in the Bible, I believe it's in John. Second John, let me see. Is it John 10, 27 through 28? Let's check. I want to say it's John 10. But there's a verse in the Bible that talks about the Lord's sheep and how we as his sheep, he knows us, he calls us by name, and another name we will not follow. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, verse 10. Sorry, if these pages are a little loud, guys. So verse 10. And this is, or chapter 10, verse 27 to 28. Chapter 10, 27. Yes, this is it. He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And what I love actually about this verse is if we go back even just a little bit, um, all of John chapter 10 talks about the good shepherd, which is what we're diving into today with Psalms 23, which also talks about the good shepherd. Um, but it says, if we go a little ways back, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. And this happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And so I encourage you to read John chapter 10, but knowing that Jesus is the good shepherd and he knows his own, meaning that we are his own. And then doubling back to Psalms 23 and knowing that the Lord is our shepherd, we being his sheep, he knows us, there is nothing that we lack. And when it went to John, 20, John 10, 27, where he said, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. As his sheep, we can recognize the voice of our shepherd. We can recognize the voice of our leader or our guide or our manager, the one who guards us and protects us. And, but he says, I know them. So even before we were even born into this world, when we were yet in our mother's womb, the Bible talks about how the Lord knew us. He knew us by name. So he knew us way before we came into this world. We were his sheep from the very beginning. And because he knows us, we follow him. And so I'm so grateful that we have this opportunity to be among the flock of those who are faithful, among the flock of those who are chosen as God's sheep. And so when we dive into verse two, he says, he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, we could start with the definition of green pastures or to lie down, but I really like the action of he lets. Because letting means to, he does not forbid it, he does not prevent it. The definition of let means to allow to pass in a particular direction, to allow someone to have use of a room or a property uh, a period in which a room or property is rented. So if you think about let, kind of like subletting. So when he says, he lets me lie down in green pastures, this can also go for just, just, the, just the words he lets. Like, he, he does not prevent us from peace. But because the definition of let also is in reference to uh, rental, so the period in which a room or a property is rented, every place that we dwell, every home that we reside in, whether it be an apartment or a house, um, wherever you lay your head down at night, the Lord has allowed you, he does not forbid you, to find a place of peace in that place. He let it happen. He did not prevent it. He did not forbid it, but he also gave it to you. So like he lets, He's given us this place that we can call home as his sheep. And then he says, he lets me lie down. Lying down is to get rest, to get sleep, to lay our head without any fear or disturbance. And so he lets me lie down in green pastures. And green pastures is in association with a place of security, a, sp a place of spiritual safety, where there is plenty of food, where it's not um, where it's not unknown to find plenty, to find pros prosperity in that place. So he lets me lie down in green pastures. God is our shepherd. And if you have ever seen 
the wilderness or if you've ever seen what the wilderness looks like. I know many of us will imagine a forest that's green or we imagine green pastures being this gigantic mountain like sound of music <laughs> where there's green grass everywhere. But if you actually like even Google um, the Israelite wilderness, you will see that it is a vast amount of mountains that are sandy and look desolate. But within each of the, the valleys within these mountains, so imagine thousands of mighty hills that just keep going up and down, up and down, up and down, like a vast amount of mountains that are only filled with sand, almost like a desert, but it's not like sandy sand, like rocky sand. Um, the ground is uneven. But in each of, the, each of the valleys, so there's peaks and valleys, in each of these valleys, there's something that can be found. Some of them have uh, ounces of green in them, green bushes, green pastures. Some of them have water, which you wouldn't expect. Some of them just have rocky terrain and surfaces. And so within each, you have a mountain that has a peak, and then you have a valley that has something within it. And so as we go through life, as we go through this wilderness, as we follow our shepherd, we being his sheep, he is guiding us along a path to get through this rocky terrain. And at each valley, we may be met with something different. And in this verse specifically, he allows us to be met with green pastures. So he allows us to lay our head in a safe spot. He allows us to find safety in his guidance, in his protection. And then the, the second part of verse two says, he leads me beside still waters. Now to lead means to cause to go, want, to go with one by holding them by the hand. Lead can also mean a route or means of access to a particular place. To be in charge or command of, to be, to, to be the motive for someone, to set a process in motion, to have the first place in, or to have or have an experience or a particular way of life. And so the Lord leading us means that the Lord holds us by one hand and he allows us to go and gain access to a particular place and that he is in charge in command of us and that he is our motive and he sets everything into motion and he should be the first in the first place of our lives. He should take precedence over any and all things because we have an experience. We experience life through him. So he leads us beside still waters. And so beside is at the side of or next to, and still waters are quiet waters. It's restful waters that flow slowly and calmly bringing peace. So when we look at the Bible in John 7, verse 37 through 39, it talks about how Jesus is the living water. So when he leads us beside still waters, he is bringing life to us. He's bringing us to a restful place where we can, where our thirst for him can be quenched. Where we, again, from verse one, lack nothing. Where we, again, from verse one in the uh, Christian Standard Bible, have everything that we need. He provides for us everything that we need in order to stay alive, but also in order to thrive. Now, when we go into verse three, it says, he renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. The definition of renew means to resume after an interruption or to change into something new and different, something better, 
to reestablish a relationship is another definition. And it also means to extend for a further period of validity or to replace something that is broken or worn out. So when we say that he renews my life, it does not matter what interruptions have come into life, you are entering into something new. Uh, and when he says that he reestablishes a, rela re a relationship, the renewal of life is the life that we found in Christ. He is the new life. He, the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Who shall ever come to the Father shall come through him. And so we are able to establish our relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus, the new life. But it also says it replaces something that is broken or worn out. So regardless of what in life has uh, allowed you to feel like you are broken or that your heart is broken or where you feel tired and you feel like you can't do it anymore, Jesus will renew that. He is going to give you a new life. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. And so we no longer live in our old life of sin. We are no longer bound by our decisions that we've made in the past. We have been forgiven and we have new life in Christ. And so we have been renewed. And then he says, he leads me along the right paths for his namesake. And so right path, another translation is path of righteousness. And a path is a way or a track laid down for walking. And so when we think about uh, a right path or a path of righteousness, it is a path that we walk where we are seen as being right in the eyes of God. This talks about our character, our attitude, our actions, our words, um, and right meaning very good, excellent, morally or justifiably virtuous. So le being led among right paths is saying that we are walking a virtuous life where we are hand in hand with our Heavenly Father and we are given this direction, this course of direction that takes us straight to life. The path, uh, what's the scripture that says, narrow is the way and very few find it. And so if we can be led by our shepherd to find this narrow path, then we will not be among the very few who do not find it, but among those who know our father's voice and follow him because we are called by his namesake. Now, when we go to verse four, this is one of my favorites, y'all. It's only my favorite because it just resonated with me. But when we go to verse four, the NKJV version says, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, wait, where am I? When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, wilderness is full of, oh, that's me. Just kidding. Let me go back, guys. Sorry about that. All right, so verse four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There was something about this verse that I absolutely loved because when I saw the word walk through, it initially showed me that even when it's hard, we were still walking. Even though it's hard, I'm still walking. You're not standing still in a valley. You are not stuck where you are. Your shepherd does not have you in place the entire time. This is a journey. And so when you walk through, yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even when it's hard, we're supposed to keep walking. 
Even when we don't see what's ahead or behind us, we're supposed to keep walking. Hey there, Storyteller. I just want to interrupt this episode really quick to let you know that Faith Audio Network is now open. Faith Audio Network is our community for storytellers like you, storytellers who listen to podcasts like this, storytellers who know they have a voice and they know that God has given them a powerful gift to be able to go out and speak for him, to give him glory. So if you know that you are interested in joining a community that is going to hold you accountable, that is going to pray with you, that is going to intercede on your behalf, and that's going to sharpen your faith, this is the community for you. To learn more and to register, please visit faithaudionetwork.com. That's faithaudionetwork.com. Walking through the valley points out, like when you walk through a valley, there are mountains, peaks around you. And so it does seem darker down where you are. It seems like you are surrounded by darkness. A valley is a point where you have low visibility of light. You have low visibility of the sun, the sun physically and the sun spiritually. And so when you walk through the valley, do not fear evil. We have to keep walking. Someone once told me that my breakthrough is going to come by helping others experience their breakthrough. But I realized in reading this verse that I can't help anyone experience their breakthrough if I don't keep walking. Now, the valley of the shadow of the death, shadow of death, um, often reminded me of how the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he often does this when we're at our lowest points, which is in the valley. Remember, this wilderness is full of peaks and valleys. When we are in valleys, we are at a lower point. There is low visibility. It is darker. But the enemy will often meet us in the valley because we feel like there is darkness all around us. But knowing when we go back to verses uh, 1 and 2, we lack nothing. When we talked about how the Lord holds us by our hand, he leads us. Uh, He leads us beside quiet waters. Even in those valleys, there are quiet waters. Even in those valleys, there are green pastures. And he's leading us, meaning he is holding us by the hand and directing us in a particular direction that he wants to go as our shepherd. He knows the path. We don't have to know the path because he knows the path. We just have to trust and follow the shepherd who we have been blessed with, Jesus Christ. So when it says, yeah, walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will, I believe is the trans is the equivalency of I am. So when we talk about how Jesus said, um, who do you say called me? And he says, I am say that I am is the I am. I am speaks to the character of God. So when we, when God says, you know, I am Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, your provider, um, I am. Jehovah Rapha, I am Jehovah Nisi. When he says, I am, he is speaking his character. So when it says, I will fear no evil, we are speaking our actions. I am speaks life and declares the character of Christ. I will declares the actions that we follow. So when I say that I will fear no evil, I am saying that the enemy has no hold on me because I'm already afraid. This is my character. These are not just actions I'm going to fulfill, but this is who I am. I will feel no evil, meaning I am fearless. The next uh, part of verse four says, for you are with me. And so I am fearless for you are with me. 
And I am so grateful because I believe you are is the equivalency of I am. When we say you are with me, we are saying the I am that I am, Jesus Christ, is with us. He is our provider. He is our healer. He is our friend. He is our safety. He is our companion. He is our shepherd, which means he is our guard, our protection, our security. And so God's presence is with me. And I am having a great time with my friend. I am having a great journey with my shepherd. He is with me. The Bible says that the Lord uh, never leaves us nor forsakes us. And so regardless of where we think we are in life or that we're doing things alone, we're not. He's always beside us. He leads us along quiet paths and still waters. He's with us. He has been our shepherd from the very beginning. Now, the next part of this verse says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And this verse got to me because in this season of my life, I believe that I am being disciplined and discipline does not feel good, guys. You know, when you got a kid who acting up and you just got a little tip tap, you know, I got a little tap, 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 tap on the back to get them in line. Um, discipline does not feel good. And when you think of a rod, a rod is used usually for discipline. And when I think of a staff, the first thing I think of is a staff being a walking stick, like Moses leans on his staff or turns his staff into something that can be used by the Lord. So in the spiritual, the staff is something that you can lean on in order to walk through this rough terrain. Um, but in the physical, even in the world's view or in the business view, a staff is known as a team of support. And so when the Lord says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, I believe it's a reminder for me to remember that his rod is his discipline and the Lord disciplines those, he's lo those he loves. And so knowing that his rod, his discipline comforts me, it's an exhibit of his love because he disciplines those he loves. Um, and the staff he has given me, the support that he is going to present to me or the people that he has sent to help me, um, God is leading me into this season of discipline and he's going to give me what I need. Again, the Lord is our shepherd. We have no lack in order for me to carry out and walk in, walk comfortably in this path that he has called us to. So your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, and then that is verse four. But what I love is that when it comes to a valley, you see mountains and you see peaks. And so valleys often seem endless. You can only see what you see. So valleys often seem endless, which is a representation of how we think of this journey of life. There's a quote, I don't think it's spiritual, but I think it, there's a quote that we often hear that says, life is a journey, not a destination. And I believe this is so true because there are journeys of ups and downs. There are journeys of mountains, the peaks of the mountains, and there are journeys of valleys. And we think this journey is long, but because we have a good shepherd, because we have these green pastures, because we are blessed with these still waters, because we have these peaks, even in the lower points when we're in the valleys, there is still a path for us to walk through and we have someone who is guiding us through this path. And so that's why I really love verse four, because it is just a reminder that God will not only provide for us, but he already has the path drawn out for us. We don't have to think about the path ahead. We can just follow the path that has been placed in front of us. Now, when we dive into verse five, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. 
Prepare means to make something, to make something ready for, uh, to ready for, to make something ready for or in consideration of. Another definition of prepare means to make ready to deal with something. And so when you look at the Latin word of pray, it means before and prayer means make ready. So before it is made ready, the Lord has prepared it. Before it is made ready, the Lord has made it ready to be considered. And he has made it ready to deal with something. And a table is a piece of furniture, which we know, used for writing, eating, working, um, or food. And it is also another definition of table is a meeting place for formal discussions in order to settle an issue. Another definition of table is a set of facts or figures systematically displayed. And when you look at the Latin translation of table, it's tabule, um, it means inscribed tablet. And so when it says the Lord prepares a table before me, um, I believe the Lord prepares a tablet. He has written the word. He has prepared the inscribed tablet, the written word, before we have even come into this earth, in the beginning. Before meaning a period of time preceding a particular event. So before we were even born, the Lord made the word. And I believe there's a scripture that says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so I feel like this is not just a recollection of the past, but back then was a foreshadowing of the future. Because knowing that in the beginning, the beginning of creation was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was for God. We have already been given our, a word, the word of God. This is what we're able to study here, this book of instructions. We had already been given it before we were even born, before there was an issue that we needed to settle, before we could work or eat or write or consider anything. We had already been given a pathway to get through this in order to settle it. Because the word is God and the word was God. And we've had it from the very beginning. We've, so when it says, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. We have never been in lack. And I think that's so powerful. But another way to look at this is you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Meaning that right before my eyes, like at, right now as we're speaking, the Lord is going to make a place ready for me. For me to eat, for me to prosper, for me to write, for me to receive, for provision, for issues to be settled. While my enemies have no choice but to watch. They have no choice but to watch. Because the Lord has prepared this for me. And when you think of in the presence of, a presence is a person or thing that exists um, or is present in a place but is not seen. And so sometimes our enemies are not seen. We don't, sometimes we don't know who our enemies are because we cannot see them. But the Lord still makes a way for us to be provided for while they sit and watch. And presence, the actual Hebrew word for presence is panem, which means face. And so when we think about being in the presence of God, we are able to uh, come into the face of God. Moses was able to see the Lord's face while everyone else was over uh, under a veil. And so a presence, the presence of our enemies, a place is prepared in the presence of our enemies. Our enemies will face whatever God has prepared for us. And then it says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now, Anoint means many different things. For starters, it means to smear or rub oil, typically as part of a religious ceremony. 
But another definition of anoint means to be filled with all the fullness of God so that you can faithfully do his work in the world. The head is the upper part of the human body, but the head is also Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church and we are his body. And so to know that he anoints our head with oil, it means that he has prepared Jesus to be filled with all of the fullness of God so that he can faithfully carry out the work that God had called him to carry out as being the head of the church so that we could be under his direction, so that we could be under his guidance, so that we could be his sheep, so that we could have a pathway back to our Heavenly Father. And the oil is usually representative of sanctifying, cleansing, or richness. It's to be anointed means to be set apart as holy. And so he anoints our head. He anointed Jesus to be the Holy One. And because of that, our cup overflows. And our cup is our life. Our life can overflow with goodness and faithfulness and blessings of the Lord. Or our life can overflow with death and terror. It's whatever we allow to fill our cup. This word of God can fill our cup so that we can enter into blessings of salvation. Or we can allow the enemy and negativity to fill our cup to where we are suffering from the wrath of God. Or we are suffering from terror. And so the cup that we hold, the cup that we are given, um, is the cup that we allow into our lives. So what are we filling? What are we filling our cup with? Are we filling our cup with the word or are we filling our cup with negativity? And in the last verse of this chapter, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness means good, pleasant, agreeable, virtuous, excellent, rich, better, prosperous, happy, right, kind, bountiful, uh, pleasing to God, or possessing desirable qualities. Faithful. Faithfulness is remaining loyal and steadfast, true to the facts. So knowing that only virtuous things, wonderful things, loyal things that allow us to remain, to remain steadfast to this word, only good and faithful love, God's affection, will pursue us. Pursue meaning proceed along this path or route, follow us in order to catch us, will go before us and behind us, will pursue us all the days of our lives. It means that regardless of what we do, we are in, we are under the guidance and protection of our good shepherd. And there is only good things that can come from this. There is only faithful and steadfast things that can come from this. The love of God, the affection of God, the desire that we have to grow closer to our Father, that affection that we have can come from following our Good Shepherd. Because when we do this, when only goodness and faithful love pursue us, we do have the opportunity to dwell, which means to live in, to reside in, to keep our attention directed on, to return to the house of the Lord all the days of our lives, forever. And so I'm so grateful for Psalms 23 because before, I just looked at it as a really great chapter that you would just quote and know that God is with you in all things and that he's going to guide you. But now in diving into this, it is, it is a psalm of provision. It is not just telling us that we are provided for, but it is reminding us of why we are being provided for. 
it is enhancing the fact that we do have new life, that we have been led, uh, that, we're, that we're being led down the path of righteousness, that there is a place that is prepared for us, that we are among God's chosen because we have been anointed, because our Heavenly Father has anointed the Son, Jesus Christ, that our cup is meant to overflow if we continue to live a righteous life, that we are the head and not the tail, that we are able to lie down in peaceful places and that everything in this world that we experience is, it, it, we have no lack in it and we never have. So why do we operate from a mindset of lack when God has given us everything that we need? The Lord is our shepherd. I have everything I need. You have everything you need. He lets you and I lie down in green pastures. He leads both of us beside still waters. He renews our lives. He leads us along the paths, the right paths for his namesake. And even when we go through the darkest valleys, we will fear no evil, we're fearless. We will fear no danger for he is with us. He is with you, he is with me. His rod, his discipline and his staff, his support they comfort us. We have comfort. We receive a table that's prepared before us in the presence of our enemies. Our enemies are watching our heads being anointed with oil. Our enemies are watching our cup overflowing. And so only goodness and faithful love will pursue you and me all the days of our lives. And we, you and I, have a place. We have a room. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, meaning that as long as we live, and since we have eternal life in Christ, then that is forever in this life and in the next. And so I'm so grateful for Psalms 23. I pray that this scripture, that this chapter has blessed you. I pray that you take these words and that you go before the Lord and that you dive into Psalms 23 and you get a deeper understanding of what it means for your life. And I am so grateful that you decided to join me here for this Faithful Friday Bible study of the Faith-Based Story Wow, Faith-Based Storyteller Show. Uh, if this episode resonates with you, please like, comment, subscribe. It means a lot. I know that the Lord is going to place this word before anyone that he wants to study it. So if you're listening to this, praise God. I pray that it blesses you. And if you are looking to get in a community where we sharpen and encourage one another in Christ and we build up our faith like this Bible study here. Make sure you join the Faith Audio Network. Uh, the doors are open. The doors are always open, but um, we are definitely accepting new members and we have bi-weekly prophetic prayer calls where just like this past week, we were able to dive into this word. And it's, it's one thing to be here with me to have this Bible study. And it's another thing to have the personal study with the Lord on your own. And it's a whole nother thing when the Lord blesses you with community to walk through these scriptures together, like to hear other people's revelations of what the Lord is showing them is powerful. It's powerful, you guys. And so I invite you to join our community at Faith Audio Network. All of the description stuff is going to be down below. And thank you guys. Until next time, remember that God loves you and so do I. Have a beautiful weekend and we'll catch you guys next week in another episode of the Faith-Based Storyteller Show. Bye!